This program is not censored. Consider yourself warned. Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad that no one will film it, two men will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's a good part, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads. With Sean McBee and Trevor Thompson. Hey, everybody. Speed Reads. Yeah, we're going to have to get some production done for that, but... uh. We don't need that. All we can do is go speed reads. Yeah, so this is going to be a quick little episode because apparently we haven't had time to prep do an episode for this week. So uh, we got this little guy Listen, that we've previously recorded. Life life is unpredictable, okay? Sometimes, sometimes we don't have time to spend six episodes worth of a podcast on a script. Sometimes we do not have that time. Sometimes, some people have jobs and those people are called losers. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go get my job. <laughs> my wife's gonna be so mad if I don't get to my job on time. Sure. Wow, I'm really glad that my shake was good enough that you recognized that it was shake. It wasn't the voice, it was the attitude. <laughs> it was the, look, <laughs> people who have jobs are losers. Oh, Master Shake. God. Shit. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> so speaking of Quinn, Sean. Speaking of Quinn, uh, this is... A, okay, so this is a script that I had the idea for. It was more a feeling than an idea. Um, we've mentioned... It Kurt, was a dream, I thought. Um, this scene is a dream. Uh, but we've mentioned Kurt Bunch before on this show. He was our... Uh, we've men- mentioned Kurt a bunch, yes. <laughs> Kurt was our uh, sort of movie mentor. He was this ultra-pretentious yeah. uh, film nut he that was, we knew. He was a hipster before it was cool, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was so fucking pretentious that as teenagers, we wanted nothing but to be him. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, he, he was older than us, wasn't he? Yeah, he was older than us. Um, it's probably still is. But he was... Yes, uh, he was. He was like our our fucking life idol. Um, it also helps that he was like ridiculously attractive and God. successful with the ladies. Yeah, he had the kind of cheekbones that a man could have and still be like you know masculine. Like he didn't have like Peter Cushing cheekbones, but like like alien cheekbones. No. Yeah, they weren't like. <laughs> he just was a ridiculous. Or is I guess I don't know what he looks like these days. Yeah. But uh, back then. That dude was. It was. It was upsetting how attractive. Like you he was. didn't want to introduce him to your girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Like you were afraid she was just going to disappear in the back and fucking fuck his brains out yep. upon meeting him. And it's not. Um, and it's not like you know because he's with a girl. And it's not like you know he's, most of the time he's with somebody. So it's not like if he fucked your girl, you could like get him back and fuck his girl. Yeah. No. Um, and. You know, the other thing he is, could out Fonzie he you. was so ridiculously pretentious. Everything he did, he was reading poetry yeah. and uh, Sylvia Plath novels. He would sit and, like, he would read a passage from Thomas Pynchon to the table at the coffee shop. That's a real example that yeah. happened. Uh, and, man, he was great. <laughs> um,. You I mean, know, he was a good guy, but I yeah, mean, to to us then, he was uh, 
he was a god to be worshipped. And he had this convertible Buick LeSabre. Oh, I forgot all about that fucking ride. And uh, one day we were driving around. You weren't there. Um, but it was like me and him, and I want to say Sally, maybe girl. maybe Josh. Um, and I was in the back seat by myself while whoever was in the front. And it, we were driving around at night. He had the top down, and I was just staring up at the stars, and it was beautiful. And he was playing... Uh, it was the first time I ever heard this. On the car radio, he was playing Le, uh, God, uh, Le, Jesus, the French just left me. Uh, Jacques Brel, uh, Nemekita Pa. He's playing Nemekita Pa by Jacques Brel, my first time hearing it. So I was just driving around at night. Nobody was talking. Riding. Yeah, we were, we were, I was riding around at night. Nobody was talking. I had my head back. I was just looking at the stars while hearing Nemekita Pa, which is such a fucking beautiful song. And uh, it just, it was a crystal clear moment. Like I felt like I was experiencing something. It's a trip, man. And I wanted to write a movie that captured that experience, basically. Wait, the experience of just being in the back of a car? No, no, no. The experience of... Just seeing the stars and experiencing the stars and, and having that music wash over you. It, it had nothing to do with being in the car, but that's just some backstory, you know. Um, and I came up with this character, Quinn, who was a saxophone player. And I wanted my friend, our friend Patrick to play him. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a love story. And I know that... Uh, a girl that I was super into at the time named Julie uh, was going to be in it. That's Which real. is how you get them <clears throat> and, uh, as a director. And I, what we're reading today is one single page, two scenes, one page, no dialogue. So I guess you'll be reading that. Yeah. Uh, and you, you'll just stop to call me out on all my pretentious bullshit. Because I'm sure this is pretentious as fuck. I have not read it in... The title's kind of pretentious, too. I like the title, actually. Speaking of Quinn, I don't remember what the story of the movie overall was going to be, but um, most of this is a dream that I had, uh, and I pretty much just assigned these characters to the characters in the dream and uh, wrote it down. And I don't think I was ready to start on this script. I think that's why it's one page. I think I just wanted to get this particular vision out because I thought it would be a good opening to the movie. Yeah. And then I just never went anywhere with it. Fade in. Exterior. Beach. Night. It is a dark, clear night, free of chill or heat. Waves lazily crash on the shore, then retreat back into the serene bay. Jesus. <laughs> Just past the waterline, there sits, with a saxophone in his lap, a man in his mid-twenties named Quinn. The cigarette between his lips burns brightly. It's ember-fueled by the evening's gentle breeze. Fuck me. I'm, I'm, you're doing my job. Was that not painful for you? Dude, you're doing my job. That's what's painful for me. I don't like you, but yeah, you do suck shit as a writer. (laughs) (laughs) Quinn looks out to the horizon, smelling the salt-scented air. Oh, my God. He takes a long, slow drag off his cigarette and, exhaling slowly, flicks it into the night. (laughs) 
Slowly, he picks up his saxophone, puts it to his lips, Hold on. and plays. I want to act that out. <laughs> Trevor slowly picks up a saxophone, looking at it lovingly. And then plays it. <laughs> just like slowly picking up the saxophone, just... <clears throat> The, oh, uh, Patrick, by the way, who I wanted to play Quinn. Uh, he looks was, like a Quinn. Yeah. Was a unique looking guy with a hatchet nose, but not unattractive. He, he, he kind of looks a little bit like, uh, I always forget his name. The guy that played the, um, in, um, never mind. Very helpful, Trevor. Thank no, you. No, no, there's the guy from, um, uh, the Inglorious Bastards, the the German guy, the the main Christoph Nazi Waltz? Christoph Waltz. He kind of looks like Christoph Waltz, with a lot more nose though. Yeah, um, and he was a he was a jazz saxophonist. He was very talented. Oh God, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted him for this. Um, I don't know, Buster. And there's no way Buster can even hear. There's no music playing for Buster at all. He's just asleep. Like he doesn't hear the music that we're playing. No, he just said what kind of sax is this. Oh, I thought playing. he said what kind of music is he. I thought he said what kind of music is he. No, I, I don't know what kind of saxophone he played. That's uh, Trevor's uncle. He was he was asleep a second ago. Yeah. Um, where was I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The music comes out in a slow, sorrowful tune. As Quinn plays, the squawking of seagulls stops. The gentle whistle of the wind stops. Eventually... wait. wait, wait. That was great when the music came in. (laughs) Eventually, even the steady lapping of waves stops. I don't think this is right music, though. There is only Quinn and his music. There is a sudden squeak from the sax as Quinn sees, walking out of the bay, a beautiful blonde woman. That would be Julie. Yeah. She walks out slowly. The shallowing of the bay exposing... slowly in this one. She walks out slowly. The shallowing of the bay exposing first head then shoulder, and on down as she walks slowly into the night air. Quinn continues to play, his once slow melody gaining in pitch and fervor the closer the woman comes to him. He can now see that this mysterious woman is completely naked for, for reasons no more right. virtuous than anything you wrote in the previous <laughs> scripts. Why shouldn't she be naked? Because I want to fuck her. That's why. Exactly. Uh, and she looked great naked. She liked being naked a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, around the house. I never saw her completely naked, but, uh, man, she was a gorgeous woman. Yeah. Do you keep in touch with her? No. Can't find her on Facebook or anything. There's really no point in keeping in touch with her now, though, is there? Now you're married. Well, yeah. Um, She's probably still with Josh. Plus, I... We had a little bit of a falling out, and I, uh... Really? Yeah. Anyway. Uh... She was such a sweet girl, but she kind of did a bitchy thing in the end. Mm. Anyway. You got to tell me that story off the end. Um, uh, he can now see that this mysterious woman is completely naked as the water she is in becomes a mere waiting depth. Still, his music gains pitch, becoming faster and more rhythmic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the woman is now standing right before him, looking down at him where he sits, still playing his sax. Sweat now standing out from his brow. The music he produces is now just one reedy note repeating over and over. (laughs) 
she smiles and the music becomes the sound of an alarm clock blaring. Precisely. Yeah. Cut to interior, bedroom, morning. Quinn opens his eyes. The sweat on his brow from the dream echoed in his waking moments. So you dreamt about Patrick playing the sax on the beach? No, it was just the her walking out of the uh, water naked part. And I was like, yeah, he should play the saxophone <clears throat> on the beach when that happens. Yeah, because if, if I just film her coming out of the, the beach naked, I'm a creep. So I have to <laughs> yeah. put like, some artistic reason behind it for something. Um, well, I was thinking about this movie a lot at the time. Mm-hmm. So when I had that dream, I was like, yeah, I was... Um, Quinn's open, Quinn opens his eyes The sweat on his brow from the dream Echoed in his waking moments Oh my god dude I know <laughs> With a groan he reaches over And turns off turns With up. a groan he read that last sentence <laughs> <laughs> With a groan he reaches over And turns off Of the still blaring alarm clock He sits up and Looking around for a second Grabs a pack of cigarettes He lights one and takes a long deep drag because he's just so cool, man. <laughs> he releases a shuddering, smoke-filled sigh. After a moment, he gets up and walks out of the room, wearing only a pair of boxer briefs. That's the other person Sean wanted to fuck in this script. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Damn. It's a shorty. And you don't. And it wasn't going anywhere or anything like that, or just it was just. That's it. If there was more to it, I don't know what it was. Uh, all right, well. All right, folks. The end. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, it's a little early for this music, isn't it? No, this is a speed read. That's what we said at the beginning. We're done early, bitches. We finished early. We get to go home early. Yeah, this is just a quick little snippet for you to enjoy Mock and Deride. Now, presumably, the only other little snippet we have for a speed read uh, available at the moment, at least, at the time of this recording, is uh, a script that Jimmy wrote. No, we have Streets of Amber as well. You do? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. I sent it to you. It's in your oh. file there. Are we going to do that next? Yeah, let's do that next. All right. Um, next for us, folks, not next for you. Yes, because uh, we're recording these all in one afternoon in order to have them in the bank ready in case we run out of content and haven't had time to read another full script. I only take issue with one thing you said. In the bank implies that there's some worth to these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, in the stock portfolio, there because stocks can be garbage, absolutely. Very much. Yeah, there you go. All right, guys. Um, do you want to add anything about this uh, a little um, bit? Well, I just wanted to say, like, I knew it was going to be super short. Did you Did you but... ask Julie if she would do it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Julia was, Julie was going to be that character, and... Uh... Did she start show her that scene? Did yeah. she know she was going to be nude? Yeah. She was totally cool. Like, she was very cool with nudity in general. Yeah, like uh, we were roommates, and uh, when she was in her room, she was almost always just hanging out naked. I'm pretty sure. He, I don't think you could have lived in that house and have an aversion to nudity. Yeah. You know? Um, or cocaine. 
Which is why, as soon as I saw my roommate, my other roommate, doing cocaine with a 17-year-old girl, yeah. uh, I immediately left the house and went and found a new place to live. And not because not because you objected to it morally, but because you didn't want to be there when the cop showed up. Or- no, no, there was a moral objection, absolutely. To some, like, creepy 27-year-old dude mm. doing coke with a 17-year-old girl that he wanted to fuck? Yeah. Svetlana, she was hot. So that's the thing. I don't blame him for wanting to fuck her. <laughs> you can't, you can't honestly blame a guy for wanting to fuck her. You can, you can blame him for trying. Well, the coke. I mean, they took yeah. the bathroom mirror off the wall and put it on the floor in his room, and we're doing coke off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, coke. When you're given a 17-year-old coke because you want to fuck her. You're gone. You're you've gone too far. You're also not trying. You know, it's not about the hunt or anything like that for you. It's not a challenge because I don't know if you know this, Sean. Because you mentioned Svetlana, and I'm sure, like every man that she's ever encountered, you wonder at one point or another. I wonder if I, you know, I wonder if I could. Oh, I wanted to fuck her. No, 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 no. If you could, not if you wanted to. If you could, and the answer to that is yes. If you had a, a mirror's worth of cocaine. Because <laughs> if you... Look, a girl like that, unless she's a, completely against cocaine, a girl like that, if you have some coke and you can't get her to fuck you... I have to say... Cut it off, dude. My my main memory of Sveta is... Uh, you know how when you wake up, you're not of your full wits yet? Yeah. Um, she woke me up one... I was going to say morning, but let's... Let's yeah, be honest. Let's be afternoon. Honest. Yeah, mid- middle of the day. Um, she came in my room and she put her hand on my, like right above my knee, and instantly. I know where the story's going. I just instantly here. opened my eyes and went, "That's not my leg." By the way, that wasn't her. That was Nick's. Was that Nick's? Yep. I thought that was Sveta. Nope. We uh, we had just driven. <laughs> we had just driven all the way from Orlando, and uh, you weren't you weren't awake yet. Which means probably that she and I were up the, the night previous, all night, you know. Um, you know, it might have been both. I think it was originally Sveta, and then it was such a hit with her that ah, I repeated it. Ah, yes. Um, which, that could be. all these years later, is still embarrassing to admit. <laughs> <laughs> Just the joke repeating. It's not a bad joke. You can repeat. If, but if, I was really proud joke, of myself for, like... It's bad. As soon as I wake up, being, like, there yeah, with a joke. Because you were in bed when, when she ran in. Yeah, I mean, she just came in. I didn't even hear her open the door or anything. She just touched my leg, and I went, that's not my leg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I knew who it was. Which, by the way, if you know, <laughs> it's kind of a dumb move, actually, because you, ideally you want the girl's hand on your dick as long as possible. Saying that gets it off, <laughs> you know, it's like, just be like, oh, put your hand on top. Hi, how are you? And you start, you know. But it wasn't my dick. And she didn't move her hand. She just laughed. I probably yeah. could have fucked her. God damn it. I told you you could have fucked her. That's the thing. She didn't hang around that house because she didn't like sex. You know what I mean? It's just that Jesser was like, you know what? I I got coke. I, I remember, as, as gorgeous as she was, I remember not thinking that she wasn't actually 17. Because she didn't. She looked more yeah. mature. Anyway. And we were still like 18 or 19 at that point. Yes. All right, folks, we do other podcasts, and we have to go to do them now. Yes, uh, look up uh, Touche El Duche on iTunes or SoundCloud uh, at soundcloud.com slash Ferris Wheelhouse. <clears throat> subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to that podcast. Subscribe to all our podcasts. Those are both of them. 
And uh, until then, bye. Bye. This podcast was created by Sean McBee and produced by Ferris Wheelhouse. <laughs> Fuck. Cut to black.